Today we're going to discuss something that is very important, very important to our Christian life. Um, very important to God. If you want to be a man that pleases God, you have to take note of what we're going to be talking about today. The topic is biblical social justice. Social justice in the kingdom. You all know that our God is love. The God we serve is holy. But there is another aspect of God's nature that sometimes we don't talk much about. It's the fact that God is a just God. God is a God of justice. God is a God of equity. <laughs> God is righteous. God is upright. And, and because he's a just person, um, you can be sure that when you're being cheated, when um, you're being falsely accused, accused um, um, when people that are more powerful than you are trying to oppress you or take advantage of you. Um, you have somebody you can run to and you can get justice. But you need to understand that justice is not only when you are the one in need of it. Justice is part of the calling we are given in the kingdom. You can't talk about the kingdom of God and not talk about righteousness and justice. It's part of our mandate as kingdom people. We are meant to be God's instrument for implementing and administering justice in the earth. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23. The more God blesses you, the more he empowers you, if he anoints you, if he puts you in position of influence, position of authority, he gives you wealth, he gives you any type of means. He expects you to be very strong in justice administration. Meaning that you have to be speaking out for those that are weak, for the less privileged, for the poor, for the widows, for the disempowered, you have to be their defense. You have to always fight on their side. Thus said the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. The word glory is boast. So if you want to boast, um, wisdom is not one of the things to boast about, yes? Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Mm -hmm. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. So if you have any of this type of power, and there are seven indices of power. Intellectual power, physical might, you are very strong. Uh, maybe you have beauty, you have talent power, you have economic power, you have political power. No matter the type you have, that's not what to boast about. The advantage we are given in life is to empower us to serve other people. 
not so that we can oppress others or take advantage of others. Go on, yes. 24. But let him that glorieth, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. Hmm. For in these things I delight. The God we serve is a God that exercises justice. That's the word judgment, righteousness, loving kindness in the earth. These are the things I delight in. So if you want to ever boast, it should be about these things. That you are rich in mercy. You are vast in justice. And you are deep in righteousness. Don't boast about your money. Don't boast about your uh, degrees and all that. Don't boast about your connection. In the eyes of God, they are nonsense. What makes God incline himself to a person is that you are rich in good works. And that you pursue justice for others. This is the year of the kingdom. So, you see, we are going to help you get balanced view of the gospel. Being born again is not enough. Being born again is not enough. Mm -hmm. I, I think I should... Do something about for the New Testament, then I'm going to come back here. You know, uh, Matthew 23, verse 23. Just take note of this. Who want to use Pharisees, Sadducees? You pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the Lord. Now, take note God calls these things weightier matters, He's not against paying tithe, but He's saying. If you pay tithe and you give in the church, but you omit things like judgment, mercy, and faith, he has nullified all those other things you have done. These you ought to have done and not to leave the order undone. So you see, don't leave the order undone. Because some people, while you are getting them out of one ditch, they fall into the other one. He said, don't leave the tithe undone, but balance it with three things. Mercy, justice, and faithfulness, loyalty, dependability, trustworthiness. So giving without moral values will not work. Giving without righteousness will not work. I want to give one or two more scriptures in the New Testament, then I'll give you um, a dose of scriptures on this subject. James chapter 1, verse 27. I'm sure you've read it many times. Yeah. Okay, Pastor Ben, please. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this 
to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Okay, so you, you see that if you want to practice the type of Christianity that God accepts, if you want to practice the type of religion that makes sense before God, it includes biblical past, you know, social justice. It includes that. Sometimes I don't even want to use the word social justice because the word has twatted it. They have given it their own meaning. And uh, I'm not sure I'll be able to get to that part today uh, in trying to balance or correct that world view. Anything the world touches, they corrupt. Anything they touch, they turn it to another thing. When the world touch this subject, they make it look like everybody owes you something. They make it look like it's an obligation. No, 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 no. Don't let anybody ever put you under guilt or, or, or such type of obligation as if you owe them anything. It's just that our God is a God of compassion. He's a God of justice. And as people that are made in his image, people that have the divine nature, we are to follow in his footsteps. We do it because not only that he is like that, and maybe I should show you something about the God that we serve. I need to show you that. <laughs> I think I just showed you Jeremiah. Let no man boast in his riches, in his wisdom, in his might. If you want to boast in this, put it up one more time. Jeremiah 9 to the 3. Boast in this. Yeah, verse 24. Boast in this. If you want to boast, boast that you understand and know it me. I am a God which exercises loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. Please, can you give me another translation apart from King James? I like to see how NIV or maybe Amplified renders that. Okay, let's read that for me, Pastor Ben. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love, and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things. And I have learned to say, anything God delights in, I delight. Pastor David delights in. Anything I find in his character, I want to cultivate in my character. I am made in his image. And sometimes I like to say that Romans chapter 8, 29, I hope I'm getting the verse right. That the, one of the greatest goals of Christianity is to be conformed to the image of Christ. So that he will be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is the express image of what the Father is like. We are called to be the express image of what Jesus is like. We are to be the image of Christ who is the image of the Father. So whatever you see in your heavenly Father is what you must seek to cultivate. First of all, I, you know, I, I'm talking from the demonstrative perspective because actually in salvation, this same nature has been given to us, has been imparted to us. If God is love, we are love. If God is just, we are just. But I'm now talking about demonstrating the nature of God. 
demonstrating it. Love is an action word. Love is action. How do you know that you love yourself? Because the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Because you take, your, take care of yourself. How many of you dress yourself up this morning before coming to church? Uh, even if you don't raise your hand, I know you did. How many of you brush your mouth this morning? Oh, you, you actually love yourself. How many of you at least organize your hair, whether it's by brushing or by touching, whichever way? I'm not sure if I ask this one, everybody will raise their hand. How many of you took your bath? How many of you are going to eat today? You love yourself. Loving yourself is not emotion. It's about action. So when God said love your neighbor, he's also expecting action. When he said love your enemy, he's not talking about feel good about your enemy. He said when the man is hungry, give him food. When he's thirsty, give him water. If he's in hospital, go and pay him a visit. Take care of him. That's how to do it. It's no feeling. I, I, I read this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, about love, and I checked to see if there will be one description of feeling. Everything there is action. He listed either about 14 behaviors of love. You can start from verse 4. Let them see. The first one is that love is patient. Charity, suffering long. Patience, endurance. So, I love my wife. Be patient with her. Simple. Love is kind. I love Mr. John. Be kind to the person. That's what walking in love is all about. I know there is that everything God asks us to do begins with thought, words, and action. I'm, I understand that. So that's why things like bitterness, things like unforgiveness are anti-love. But it's not the emotion that God is commanding. It's not a feel-good thing. Actually, when you start doing the right thing, the feeling will follow after. So God said, I'm the God that executed, executed righteousness, ju justice, mercy in the earth. In these things I please. So James 1, uh, Pastor Ben, read it one more time, 27. Religion that is acceptable to God includes um, the practice of care for the needy. The practice of care for the needy. On one side, it includes walking in righteousness and holiness, keeping oneself unspotted from the world. But on the other side, it includes walking in love towards others. Yes, go ahead. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Okay. Now, let's look at the character of God because that's where all of this comes from. And ladies and gentlemen, as we, I show you a couple of scriptures now. Um, 
I want you to start making the list of the kind of people God refers to. You see him talk about the poor. You see him talk about widows. You see him talk about the fatherless. Sometimes the scripture will say orphans. But if the loss of a husband puts a woman in predicament, the loss of her husband also puts her children in predicament. So it does, it does not necessarily require the death of both parents for the situation to be bad. What the scripture is talking about is when the breadwinner is removed. And then the whole family is thrown into chaos. If the situation is such that the governor died and the first lady is left with a couple of millions and all that and you know I won't put her in my list. She can take care of her children. That's not what God is talking about. I was addressing issues about orphans and um, in one of our ch churches in Nigeria and I made a call who wanted to provide some assistance and one 52 year old man stood up and he was a millionaire so I didn't want to embarrass him so I told him sir after you need to come and see me and then, you know, I said, why did you stand up? He said, you are talking about orphans. I'm an orphan. Both father and mother are dead. I said, you are not the type of orphan we are talking about. <laughs> As a matter of fact, your position should now turn into a ministry. Now you know what it means to lose your parents with all the resources God has given you. Become a father to the fatherless and, you know, and so on and so forth. Okay, let me see if I can go show you the character of God. Hmm. Psalm 146 Verse 9 Pastor Ben read The Lord preserved the strangers He relieved the fatherless and widow But the way of the wicked He turned it upside down Okay watch God's character And start making a list Your list will get to Minimum of 8 it might get to 10. The kind of people God takes care of and he is commanding us to follow in his footsteps. The first one is strangers. The word strangers, they are sojourners or foreigners. Sometimes, depending on your translation, you might see the word alien. Ladies and gentlemen, let me start by addressing the Dominion City family. Let me also start by addressing you as an individual Christian and then your own family, and then the Dominion City family. And then let me address the body of Christ in Nigeria, and let me address us as a nation. We have to be a nation of compassion, a nation of justice, a church that is deep in compassion and social justice. And the list, the list starts with, in this particular case, foreigners. Whether they are Ghanaians, South Africans, you cannot have xenophobic 
ideas and hatred against other people and pretend to be a Christian. People of other tribes. People of other races. Anybody. The scripture is deep on the subject of hospitality. Even if you're not going to give food and take care of At least be nice to people. And do you know, if you know what this would do to our economy when we become like that. Strangers. Then fatherless. Put that as second in your list. That's orphans. Then the widow. The people who violate this kind of he calls wicked and their way God Almighty will turn upside down. Look, notice the character of God. God protects strangers. God protects the fatherless. God protects the widows. Pastor David as a child of God, as somebody made in the image of God, must be a protector of foreigners. I must be deep in hospitality. I must be a protector of widows. I must be a protector of orphans. That's part of what it means to be a child of God. Okay, 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 okay. Let's take it a little further. Psalms um, 68 verse 5. Yeah. We're looking at God, then we'll come to ourselves. Okay? Yes, go ahead. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Do you see that? Now, this your translation said, a judge of the widows. So, that word judge, does it mean he judges the widows? He's a defender of the widow. Give me another translation so that you see it. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. I, I hope you are getting that. The two, you already have in your list. Your list is about three now. Do you know most of the time when people talk about... Um, social justice in the kingdom. They talk about widows. They talk about orphans. What about strangers? Have you ever traveled and you're in another land, in another part of the world where the culture and everything is different? You want people to treat you right. Deuteronomy 10 verse 18. I think this one should be enough for you. Then I'm going to. God is father to the fatherless. I'm constantly reminding myself of these values. God is a defender of the widow. I'm constantly reminding myself of these values. If I'm in any environment, any society, I must be like that. I must be the extension of God's heart to the people that are less privileged in need and all of that. One of the vows I have made until the day I breathe, take my last breath, I would do everything in my capacity to raise DC people to be like this. I actually believe, and I'm, I can say that with both, if you oppress the needy, the weak, the powerless, the less privileged, the widow, you have never known me. You have never listened to me at all. 
You know, you have, uh, even if you sit around here. Because what, one of the reasons I need to make this very clear is that some of the cultures we come out from in Africa have these things in trench. Some of us come from culture where once a man dies, they strip his wife of everything, turn her into another, strip the children, and it doesn't matter how rich you are, the brothers of the guy who are right, take away everything, take away properties, take away bank accounts, and it's so bad in a certain part of the country that they wouldn't even leave a roof over their head, they throw them into the streets. We are teaching kingdom culture. And this culture and values come from the character of our Heavenly Father. That's why I'm showing it to you first. This is who your father is. Maybe one of the things you are looking forward to, the day your brother will die, or the day this one will die. You can go and seize another man's properties and throw his children away. You should be the number one person standing up in such a case. I hope you know that the gospel is counterculture. The gospel transforms people. It transforms families. It transforms cultures. It transforms nations. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. You, if you truly do a study on this subject, you cannot behave like that. If you are truly committed to Christ and to his kingdom, to obeying his teachings, you cannot do that. Okay. Deuteronomy 10. Okay, Deuteronomy, yes. 10, 18. 18. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Everyone say God loves strangers. No, let's use another word. Say God loves foreigners. God loves foreigners. Oh, let's do it differently. Say God is a God of hospitality. God is a God of hospitality. And part of what it means to be like him is to be hospitable. I think you know Hebrews chapter 13. Please put it up. Some have entertained angels on our ways by practicing hospitality. What exactly did Abraham do that day? God Almighty and two angels were passing. And Abraham was sitting on the tree and he saw them. He welcomed them, washed their feet and went and made food for them. Within, that is the day God said, by this time next year, according to the time of life, you are wife will conceive. For 25 years, he has carried a, a promise, but hospitality brought the promise into manifestation. Forget not to show. Please, Pastor Ben. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. And you know, sometimes they don't let you know that they are angels. They appear in genes. A church was praying one time and the Lord promised them that he was going to visit them. And they were praying for revival and he told them that he was going to visit them on a Sunday. And on that day, 
people were dancing and praising God. I think they were also giving their offering. And when they have finished, one very poor guy started walking from the back to come up. And he was begging. And of course, the pastor was not happy. So he commanded the ushers to throw the guy out, kind of. As they went to hold the young man and they were trying to drag him out of the door, he disappeared. And then a holy distance fell on the whole congregation. And a group of people started prophesying and God started speaking. I told you I was going to visit you. And I came. Maybe you thought I was going to come riding on a horse. Maybe you thought I was going to descend with wings of angels. I came and you did not recognize me. Now remember what Matthew chapter 25 said. Please put up that word. I was hungry. You gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me water. I was in prison. You visited me. I was naked. You clothed me. And then the righteous will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? When did we see you in prison? Because truly, if I know it's Jesus, I will have done the right thing. When did we see you hungry and fed you? When did we see you thirsty and gave you drink? Then the righteous. Yeah. When did we see you as a stranger? You see that word stranger again showing up. This issue of how we treat foreigners showing up again. When did we see you like that and took you in or naked and clothed thee? When did we see you sick or in prison and came to thee? If you are looking for a way to add to your list, this is a long list you can use. And the king shall answer and say to them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it to me. Mm. And the Bible said, he told them, enter into the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. There was another group. He called those ones the goats. I was hungry, you fed me not. I was thirsty, no water. Naked, no clothing. You see, love is not talking. Love is action. We are called not just to demonstrate the power of God. We are called to demonstrate the nature of God. It must be demonstrated practically. If you've seen demonstration of the power of God through healings and miracles, powerful. There is even something more powerful. The demonstration of God's nature through acts of kindness, through social justice, through acts of mercy, through acts of compassion. That's the kind of church we must have. That's the kind of society we must build. That's the kind of families we must have. And these ones that did not do it, he said, depart into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his children. Ladies and gentlemen, this thing is serious. 
This thing is serious. Jeremiah 22 verse 14. Uh, go to verse 16. This was Israel when Israel walked in righteousness. God said he judged the cause of the poor and the needy. Then it was well with him. Was not this to know me, said the Lord. Do you see what God calls knowing him? Remember the other place he said, don't boast that you have money, don't boast that you are wise, don't boast, boast that you understand it and know it me. That I'm a God that has executed righteousness, justice, and, and, and mercy in the earth. Now he said, when Israel judged the cause of the poor, the word judge means defended the cause of the poor and the needy, it was well with him. And that is what it means to know God. Everybody lift up your hands and say, Lord, teach me to know you. Teach me to be a man and woman of love. A man and woman of compassion. A man. We must balance, back up the great commission with the great commandments. Teach me. Teach me to know you. And this demonstration of the nature of God, of the love of God, of his, of his justice, will bring about the mass salvation of souls into the kingdom. We are not only to do it in the church among ourselves, we are supposed to use this as part of our tool for reaching the world, a heart of compassion. My friend Dr. Follight calls it access ministry. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, it's even beyond access ministry. But it is. Nothing opens the heart of people like it. Let me show you some, something on our own side what God expects us to do. Hmm. Zechariah 7 verse 9 to 10. I'll show you a couple of scriptures. Please, Pastor Ben, help me. Talk speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy and compassion every man to his brother and oppress not the widow nor the fatherless the stranger nor the poor and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart now so you see if you want to look at walking in love in practical terms seven elements listed here if you want to look at justice in the kingdom Seven in practical terms, seven elements listed here. Why don't you give us an IV? Go back to verse 9. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty said Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. So, apart from the poor and the needy, we are to practice it to one another. Yes, go ahead. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor, 
Do not plot evil against each other. So, I, I hope you are still making that list. You will see the poor, you see the widow, you see the orphans, you see the foreigners, you will see um, one another here. And I'm glad that God included all of us. Malachi 3 verse 5. There are seven things God said to avoid here. Just like he said here, don't do this, don't do this, don't oppress the poor, don't oppress the widow, don't oppress the orphans. He also used that language of restricting us from ever doing any of this, yes? And I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers against the adulterers and against forswearers and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages. Now, something else comes in here, apart from mentioning the things that we are used to. We know about all those ones, you know, witchcraft, uh, adultery, and other. Something now comes in. When it gets to this justice part, it said, don't oppress people that you hired, people that work for you. Don't cheat them of their payment, their wages. Put it in the list. So while you're thinking about the poor and the others, people that also work for you, you agree with them. Pay them their salaries. Pay them their allowance, whatever it is. Remember that their wives and children depend on that income for their survival, their school fees, their rents, and so on and so forth. That's part of what it means to be a just man. You can't oppress the hireling in his wages, the widows, the fatherless, and don't turn aside the stranger for his rights and fear not me. This is what it means to fear God, to be able to observe things like this. When you say, I'm a man, of, a man that fears God, check how you treat the widows, the strangers, the orphan. How you treat the people that are working for you. If you want to be a righteous man, it's not in talk. These are the indices for assessing yourself. If you want to build a, a, a righteous organization, a business on godly principles. These are some of the indices you use to assess that company. Does that company have social responsibility? Do you have a part of your profit that you give back and you use it to affect, you know, that environment where you are doing the business and making all the money? You are not doing social responsibility because gov government commanded it. No. Not because they were arrested. No. Because you are a kingdom person. And look at this issue of strangers. Turning aside the stranger from their rights. Sometimes when people are in another environment, they cheat them, treat them in certain ways because... We need to upgrade our understanding of the gospel. The gospel of salvation, yes, deals with 
believing in Jesus, receiving the effect of his finished work on the cross. But when it comes to making disciples of all nations, we have to teach people how to live after they've received Christ. We have preached only that milk. Then you look at the whole society, you don't see the effect. Okay, Psalm 82 verse 3. Seven mandates in justice administration. So, part of the calling of the church is the administration of justice. The administration of compassion. The demonstration of God's love. That's part of our mandate. Ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to discipling nations, our scope is much larger than when we are just trying to lead people to Christ. Because when it comes to discipling nations, discipling culture, Jesus said to teach them to obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's the harder job. The easier one is to lead people to Christ. As tough as that one is. The harder one is getting the people to conform to kingdom values. And that's what Nigeria needs now. That's what we need in Africa. We need to disciple this continent. We need to disciple this nation. We have 100, over 100 million Christians in this country. And very little impact is seen in the way we behave, in the way we live our lives. If you get this, you have to take the responsibility to spread that salt to your environment, to your company, to where you work, to where you live. And then from those people, it should spread to more people. With time, we can build a just society. A kingdom cultured society. I'm not saying we are going to get to perfection. Perfection will never come till Jesus returns. But we can see transformation, major transformation in our nation. And it needs to start one person at a time. It needs to start one company at a time, one family at a time, one church at a time. Okay, okay, Pastor Ben, help help us. Yeah. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Verse 4. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Sometimes part of justice administration involves speaking out for people that are oppressed. Helping to get back their rights. They are being taken away. Sometimes defending them. I'm challenging all of you from the senior advocates that are here to other lawyers. These are part of your mandates. Just like you do tithes of your money. And you also believe in keeping the Sabbath at least one day in a week. Tithe your time. I'm also asking for all of us to learn to tithe our career. If you're a lawyer, for example, six days, use all that profession to make money. Bring out one day every week 
or certain periods every month and go and use that professional skills to defend people who cannot pay you. That's part of what God expects for you and I. Start small in your own environment. See a very good example, Job. Look at what Job said about himself. Job 29. I'm reading from verse 11. Yeah? Okay, you can help us. When the ear, when the ear heard me, then he blessed me. And Job when, said, this is how I lived, yes? And when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. Yes? Verse 12. Because I delivered the poor that you see, cried. one of the things that, that this does for you, it gets you goodwill. It gets you a lot of favor. If a business does this, you gain a lot of goodwill from the community. A church that does that, you gain so much goodwill from the community. Now, that opens the heart for the gospel to penetrate. Why? When the, the eye saw me. Look at verse 11 one more time. Yeah. When the ear heard me, it blessed me. People want to now listen. When the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. Verse 12. What is it that Job was doing that brought this kind of opening for him? Look at it. Favor for him. Yes, because I delivered the poor that cried. The fatherless. And he that had known to help him. Continue verse, verse 13. Yes. The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me. When a dying man blesses you. Because you are the one that rescued him. He couldn't pay his bill. He would have died in the hospital. And they will, but you are the one that intervened and made sure he got that treatment. Yes, go ahead. And the I blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me. me. Yes. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. Yes. Verse 14. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. I was eyes to the blind and feet was I to the lame. So you see what it means to be walking righteousness. I hope you're seeing it. That's what it means to walk in judgment. Judgment is justice. He said, I wear my justice like a crown. Like a dad, I put on righteousness like a robe. It covered me like a robe. Because I was eye to the blind and feet to the lame. Go on. Yes, yes. I was a father to the poor. And the cause which I knew not, I searched out. And I break the jaws of the wicked and pluck the spoil out of his teeth. And this breaking the jaw of the wicked, so it, it comes in when it has to do with defending people that have been oppressed, whose rights are being taken away. If you have to fight, fight Goliaths, fight oppressors, fight the wicked. Never you oppress the needy or the poor or the weak or this society that will kidnap people, kidnap women, kidnap children 
and start looking for ransom. This is this is this is this is hell on earth. Everybody that is a man of God must rise up no, and preach beyond salvation. After preaching salvation, let's teach our society to obey the teachings of Christ. That's how we can have a transformed Nigeria. That's how we can have transformed Ghana. That's how we can have transformed South Africa. That's how we can have transformed continents. Everybody lift up your hand. Pray for yourself and make a new commitment. Like Job, you're going to be a father to the fatherless. There are eyes to the blind, lame to the weak. And I'm not talking about uh, what I see some Nigerians do. You, you, you sit in Lagos, you're talking about Haiti. There are earthquake in Haiti. Leave Americans to do that. Let's help. What We have a lot of problems around us. Start with your neighbor. Start with your Jerusalem. Go to your Samaria and then to the utmost, utmost part of the earth. I'm reading this to warn those of us, both in the legal profession, legislators, government, executives, and then people in all spheres of authority, including pastors. When we are making laws, legislations, whatever it is, make sure that you don't make laws that are oppressive, that are unjust. And how you know, how, the litmus test for checking the laws and legislations you come up with, how is how it impacts on the poor, the needy, the widow, the unjust, and this list that God has given. If our laws only benefit the rich and the powerful and all of that, that society is hell on earth. Please read. Yes. Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees and that right grievousness which they have prescribed. Verse 2. To turn aside the needy from judgment and to take away the right from the poor of my people that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. Verse 3. And what will ye do in the day of visitation and in the desolation which shall come from far? To whom will you flee for help? And where will you leave? God said, wherever this kind of laws exist, the day of judgment is coming. And it has, you know, it comes in different ways. It comes in different ways. You know, and, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to frighten you because I don't want to do this out of fear. I want to do it out of compassion, not out of fear. But I also want to leave this one more warning just in case the other side is not strong enough to motivate you. Exodus 22, verse 21. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Yes, the next verse. Don't oppress strangers or foreigners. 
God was teaching the Jews justice, how to treat people from other places. He said, remember one time you were in Egypt and they oppressed you. That means you know that it's not good. Look at what they did to you in Egypt. They turned you to slaves. That means now that you are coming out to be my people, a kingdom of priests, you must not do that. Yes, go on. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. Do you see that? If they cry to me, I will hear their cry. And what will be the response? Go ahead. And my rod shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword. And your wife shall be widows, and your children fatherless. I don't wish that for anybody, but <laughs> part of God's inclination towards justice is, okay, you like to do this to other people, I will let your own wife and children test the medicine you're giving to others. I will let your own family experience what you are cooking for other people. We're just starting the discussion. We're just starting that discussion. We're still going to discuss it further and then look at kingdom principles for administering things like this. For example, when it comes to widows, the Bible said, if a widow has children that are grown, let them take care of their parents and not disturb the church. They must learn to show piety at home. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy. When it comes to the issue of the poor, if the poor man is healthy, he can walk. He said, let them go and get something to do. Let them give them something to do. It's actually Paul wrote, if anyone will not walk, let him not eat. And then he wrote to the church and said, those people that are idle and busy bodies are walking disorderly. And if after you warn them and teach them, they don't want to behave, you know, you also have nothing to do with them. So, let me tell you, because I, I, I pastored in Lagos. And I can tell you, there are people where they see people of compassion, they just go out of their way to take advantage of them. Brother Mike, you don't know some of the things we have seen. A guy came, he had gone to some of our departments with the same story, and they've given him money. And finally, he, they know me that I'm like that. So he corners me. Oh, my wife is in the hospital right now and the, the woman is pregnant with twins and they need to operate on her. And just because we could not provide this amount of money, the doctor said they cannot operate and all of that. I said, is that so? He said, yes. I said, no problem. I called two of the pastors. I said, follow him to the hospital. When you get there, verify the case and then pay the bills. Then he said, no, 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 no. The pastors don't need to follow me. Just give, us, give me the money. I said, no problem. We'll pay the bills. And after your wife delivers, we're also going to provide you some other assistance. Before the pastors could do whatever, he has disappeared. And it wasn't long. They found him in another Dominion City church where he was. And then they, 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 we got the information. And we asked them to verify if he's this man, this. I said, yes. I said, get the police and arrest him. So they said, no problem. Just sit here. We're bringing the money. And next thing he saw, security men. 
And they said, by force, we must get to that hospital. There was no hospital. There was no wife. There was no pregnancy. There was no nothing. There are people like that, extortioners, religious 419, religious scammers. They go around, and we even have some who are in ministry, fake prophets everywhere. So you need to be aware of that and be, and be wise and not be fooled. One principle that we use is trust, but verify first. Everybody say that. So, ah, my father died and then the, the body is in the mortuary. Story, story, story. No problem. First, then you can trust because we're living in an evil days. God bless you.